listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. This thought really got in my spirit, and I wanted to share it with Zach. Zach is too late. Look at this. Zach logs on at 11.01. Trivia just ended, and Zach logged on. It was like Brit's prayers were answered today. It was like she's been tithing. Anyway, I wanted to get into this thought um, that really has been in my heart. It's been in my spirit. Um, I put in the com- or in the title, as you saw it, God's Secret Christmas Weapon. And um, it's really an amazing thought. I was really meditating on this. I want you to go to Matthew chapter one. Um, I want you to, I want you to see this because it's really, you know, it's amazing what God did. This miracle that I'm getting ready to share with you is, is the most amazing thing. It had never happened before in history. And I'm going to talk to you about that. The Bible even uh, gives us a very unique way of saying this, but it never happened before in history. Um, Obviously, it's never going to happen again. It happened once. God's secret weapon. I'm in Matthew chapter 1, and um, I want to read you a couple of verses because this is one of the most powerful things. And of course, at Christmas, we celebrate the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ. But listen to this now. We're in this, we're in this passage where uh, Matthew, in his gospel, describing uh, you know, the story of how Jesus came into the earth. But I want you to catch this. Um, the Bible, I'm just going to read you two verses here, 22 and 23. So it's Matthew 1, 22 and 23. Talking about Jesus' birth, the Bible says, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and it's referencing the prophet Isaiah, by the prophet, Behold, verse 23, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, God with us. This is, this is extremely important, but it's also amazing how this happened. I want you to get this. A couple of things I want to guide you through to show you the power of what's happening in this passage. Number one, look at this, look at what's, what's being said here. The virgin shall conceive. So one of the things that Uh, you have to understand the power of Christmas. If you don't understand the fact, and there are people that disagree with this, they they refuse to believe it, but the Bible says it took place, that Mary was a virgin. Mary was a virgin, without question. The reason that's so powerful is because, and I want you to, by the way, put this in the comments, because if you've never been taught this before, if you've never heard this before, you've got to hear it and you have to understand it. If Mary was not a virgin, then you are not a Christian. Get that. If you've never seen the importance of this before, put that in the comments today. If Mary was not a virgin, I'm not a Christian. You got to get that right off the bat. If Mary was not a virgin, I'm not a Christian. You have to get that. Why is that important? Well, remember what happened. That when Adam and Eve fell into sin, 
the human race was corrupted. And of course, we know that sin was carried on from generation to generation to generation. But Joseph was not Jesus' father. Now, he played the role of his earthly father, but Jesus did not come from Joseph. Jesus did not come from Joseph. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one who impregnated Mary. And Mary, being a virgin, was able to give birth to Jesus, who was a sinless man. Now, this is a massive part of the gospel. If you've never, if you've never heard this, this is the beginning point of the gospel. Jesus was born of a virgin. That virgin birth is so extremely important. I'll give you a cool side note here. Um, a friend of mine, Pastor, uh, Pastor Phil Christ, who pastors outside of Detroit, he was um, on a radio program being challenged by uh, someone who did not believe in uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, did not believe that that was for today. He, they, and, and this was the argument that they made with Pastor Phil. They said, you can't build doctrine out of biblical narrative. So you can't take just stories from the Bible and build a doctrine out of it. Because what they were arguing was that the book of Acts was not a didactic teaching on the Holy Spirit. It was just story. It was just narrative. And so you can't take narrative and build a doctrine on it. And uh, his response was so classic, very intelligent man. Pastor Phil said, and I know that this was, uh, drove it home because this was a Baptist that was interviewing him on the radio program. And the Baptist said, you can't build uh, doctrine like you're doing on narrative stories. It has to be on the apostles teaching. And you know, his, his, this was his response to them. He said, well, I guess then you don't believe in the virgin birth. And the person was like blown away. They're like, of course I believe in the virgin birth. See, and what the point that Pastor Phil was driving home, there is no apostle that did any didactic teaching on the virgin birth. We just have it in the narrative story of the gospels. It's not something Paul taught onto the churches or Peter. It's not something that you see uh, John teaching uh, to the churches in Asia Minor. It's something that we have in the narrative of the gospels. And of course you can build doctrine on narrative. That's how we have the doctrine of the virgin birth. And it's an extremely important one because if there is no virgin birth, there is no salvation because you realize this is why the gospel has to start here. Because if Jesus was not born of a virgin, he was not a sinless man. That's so important to know that if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he was not a sinless man. And if not a sinless man, then he could not take the sins of the world upon himself. He would not have been a sufficient sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. So if he was not born of a virgin, didn't have a sinless being to place, you know, if you look in the Old Testament, what did they use? A spotless lamb. And the spotless lamb was to take the uh, sins of the nation of Israel or your family, right? And so uh, 
very important to understand this, that Jesus had to be a spotless lamb. If he was spotted with sin, he could not take the sins of the world upon himself and bring redemption to the earth. And so understanding the virgin birth as uh, the first step of the gospel message is extremely important for every Christian because if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then we are not redeemed. But of course he was and we are. And so in this passage here, uh, it says, behold, the virgin shall conceive. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Get this. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. That's powerful because the ESV says here in parentheses, which means God with us. Woo. Come on. This is such a powerful, powerful revelation that Jesus, who was God's secret weapon to the earth, God sent his word. Now we're in, we'll go from Matthew one to John one. And I want to show you something that's so powerful here that we know what the beginning of the gospel of John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, if we jump down to verse 14, we know that the word speaking of Jesus, look what verse 14 says, John 1 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. Hallelujah. Full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. Full of grace and truth. It's because Robert sin is carried through the seed of man. That's why the reason that Robert's asking, I don't understand how virgin birth makes sinless. If like, like if Adam and Eve both sinned, what made Mary sinless? Uh, Mary was not sinless. See, Robert, you're asking that question from a Catholic point of view because the Catholics are the one, the ones who carry the doctrine of immaculate conception. And so this is a, by the way, this is a common misunderstanding for people that have never heard these terms. Immaculate conception does not mean virgin birth. They're two separate doctrines. The Catholics believe immaculate conception means Mary was born without sin. But Mary was not born without sin. That's a false doctrine that Catholics believe. It was only Jesus that was born without sin. So immaculate conception refers to Catholics' belief about Mary, but the virgin birth references Christ's birth, not Mary's birth. Mary had sin, but Jesus had no sin. And the reason Jesus had no sin is because sin is passed down through generations by the seed of man. But see, Jesus was not born from the seed of man, but the seed of the Holy Spirit. And that is why Jesus Christ was a sinless man is because the seed didn't come from a human. It came from God. And so watch this now because of the fact, and it's a great question, Robert, because of the fact that, uh, we believe in seed time and harvest, right? And the Bible teaches that a seed 
always reproduces after its own kind. Right. So we understand that you can't plant apple seeds and get orange trees because a seed reproduces after its own kind. So if Joseph would have been the seed, then what, what, what kind of harvest would it produced? Another sinful man. But because the Holy Spirit sowed the seed, what did it produce? God in a flesh body. And that's, that's what the Bible's teaching us here, that the Holy Spirit's seed produced God in a flesh body. This is so powerful. And, and Robert, stick around with this because I'm going to give you something else that goes even further. Uh, when we see this, and the word became flesh, John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory is as the only son of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So we now are looking at a man who is totally God and totally man in one being. This is something that people uh, cannot uh, understand. They can't get this, that he was all God and all man at the same time. The duality of Christ. He was both. AJ says, what about eternal sonship? To me, John states that God, the word became the son, which implies a beginning point. Yes, his life on the earth had a beginning point, but as John points out in the beginning, his existence had no beginning point. There was a point at which he became a man, right? So uh, there was a point at which he became a man, but there was never a point at which he began existing. You understand? So we understand that. As we move forward, it's, it's, you got to get this so powerful. We see this phrase in John 1, 14, uh, glory as of the only son of the father, as the only son of the father. I want to show you something really, really amazing. Uh, let me go to my ESV here and I want to just take you back to this, this passage, but I want to show you something really cool from the, uh, from the Greek text here. Really, really, really cool. The, um, the term, now, when we're talking about Jesus, you've heard this term probably your whole Christian life. And the term, the term is the only begotten son of God, right? Think about this. The only begotten son of God. That phrase was true at one point, but it would blow a lot of people's minds to hear this, that Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God. That would blow people's minds to hear that. And by the way, that's not heresy. <laughs> that's not heresy. Uh, that is scripture. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible tells us that uh, as many as believed on Jesus' name, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. This is so big, man. Get this in your spirit today. 
he used to be the only begotten son of God. But after his resurrection, the Bible says as many as believed on Jesus name to them, he gave power to become the sons of God. So now I want you to get this. Every person watching this broadcast, every person listening to this podcast, if you're a Christian, then you are a son of God. That includes the ladies. Every woman, every man is a son of God. There are no daughters of God. You're a son of God. It has to do with inheritance. The inheritance comes to the son. And so the son, you're not a daughter of God. You're a son of God. In the same way, there is no man in the body of Christ that is the groom of Christ. We're not the groom of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Every man is the bride of Christ. Every woman is a son of God. You know, the Bible tells us there is no uh, male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Greek in the, in the kingdom of God. But you understand that the son of God term, it has to do with inheritance, not gender, inheritance. And so your inheritance, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter one and verse three, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that means that the inheritance has already come to us. It belongs to us because we are sons of God. And so get that every woman has the same inheritance as the men. There is no difference, not in the kingdom. Every woman has the same inheritance as every man. And so the blessings of God are yours. And this is because through Christ's redemptive act, he has made us sons of God, powerful men. So something I want to break down for you as we're looking at God's secret weapon, which is Jesus Christ coming in the form of a man, very much like the Trojan horse story. If you've ever uh, read the Trojan horse story, it's amazing because as you know, um, in the, in the Trojan horse story, uh, the Trojan horse is given as a gift, but what the enemy doesn't know is that within the Trojan horse are all of the elite soldiers from Troy, right? And once they bring that gift into the city, then in the night they break out of the Trojan horse and the soldiers begin to wreak havoc within the city. Very much the same. Jesus was like God's Trojan horse in a way because in order to redeem man, he had to become a man. So he took the elite spirit, which is the word, which has existed since the beginning and put him into a flesh body and then allowed him to enter into the earth. Oh, hallelujah. This is powerful, man. He, he put the eternal spirit into a flesh body and, al- and then allowed him to enter into humanity or into, into the earth. See, he was going to destroy the spirit of darkness and the spirit of death and the spirit of sin from within, not from without. This is such a powerful revelation if you catch it. God's not just going to, from heaven, you know, crack the whip and destroy the spirit of death, the spirit, no. no. What did he do? Took the eternal spirit, the word, and made the word flesh, and then put him among 
all of those that were bound by sin, all of those that were bound by death, all of those that were uh, bound by uh, wicked spirits. And then from within, he destroyed the spirit of darkness. And the Bible tells us that in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 8, where the Bible says that the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's 1 John 3, 8. Do you see that? God didn't do it from without. He did it from within. He took the eternal spirit, put it into a flesh body, and brought that flesh body into the earth, suffered and was tempted in all points, just like us, but never fell into temptation. And so defeated sin and defeated sickness and defeated demon powers was crucified. You see that? And so it's a very interesting thought to know that the eternal spirit was put into a flesh body. If you've never done a study on um, the duality or the dual nature of Christ, he was all God and he was all man at the same time. And that was necessary to carry out redemption. I would recommend a book to you entitled uh, The Incomparable Christ by Oswald Chambers, I believe is the author. The Incomparable Christ by Oswald Chambers. And the whole book is about Christ in the different facets and aspects of Christ's life, his humanity. You know, Christ got tired, Christ slept, Christ ate, all of those things because he was man. But at the same time, he did supernatural things because he was God. And so uh, The Incomparable Christ by J. Oswald Sanders, powerful book that will really get into the, the depth of this revelation, which is like a mind-blowing thought. We'll pop the Amazon link uh, into the, you have it? We'll pop the Amazon link in, in for, for you in the comments so you can see the book I'm talking about. But uh, let me go back to a type and shadow in the Old Testament about Jesus, because this will help you to better understand this concept. When Abraham had Isaac and was ready to sacrifice Isaac, what was it? Not the John Stott one. I think it's the J. Oswald one. Um, yeah, that's the one I think. Um, what did God say to Abraham? Get this. Because this, this always, always blew my mind. God said to Abraham... Take now your son, your only son. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Let me ask you a question. Was Isaac Abraham's only son? No, he was not. He was not his only son. If you remember, Abraham also had Ishmael, the older son, from his wife's handmaid. Ishmael was the older son, Isaac the younger son. So how interesting is it to you that God said, take now your son, your only son. Whoo! And, and here's a powerful thought that is mirrored in the New Testament about Jesus. The only son, right, 
Watch this. The only son, calling Jesus, the only son of the father. There's a link here that I want you to see. If you read the Old Testament, which was originally written in Hebrew, portions in Aramaic, majority Hebrew, if you read it in one of the most important documents ever provided to the church in the history of the church, something called the Septuagint, all that means is that is the Old Testament translated into the Greek language. So the Septuagint is just the Greek Old Testament, very important document. If you read that passage, take now your son, your only son, it's the same phrase as uh, the one in the New Testament regarding Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what the phrase is. God says regarding Isaac, take now your only son. The phrase in Greek, take now your monogamous huios. What does that phrase truly mean? Well, it's always been rendered only son. But the word monogamous doesn't just mean only. More specifically, it means unique or one of a kind. This is so important that you get this. It doesn't just mean only. It means unique or one of a kind. And so what was God truly saying to Abraham? He was saying, take your unique one of a kind son. He wasn't saying that Isaac was his only son. God can see, God knows, God knew about Ishmael. What God was saying to Abraham was, take the son I gave you that's unique and one of a kind. Well, what, what does that mean? What, why was Isaac a one of a kind unique son? Because God did not say that Abraham would get with Sarah's handmaid and have a son. No, that was not the promise. That was not the prophecy. The prophecy was Sarah will birth a child. She will birth. Well, I'm too old for that, Lord. No, you will. It's going to be miraculous. It's going to be miraculous. So when that word came to pass, catch this now, because both of these things carry an extreme miracle. Sarah was beyond the age of childbearing. What was she, 90 at the time she got the promise? She was like 90 years old? Think about this. It was a miracle for her because she was beyond the age of having children. It was a miracle for Mary because she'd never been with a man. Both of these sons came from a miracle. Isaac came because the mom was too old to have children. Jesus came, the mom had never been with a man and couldn't have children that way. So think about this. When God says to Abraham, take now your monogamous weos, he's saying you're one of a kind, unique son. Why is Isaac one of a kind? Why is he unique? Because Isaac is the fulfillment of the prophecy given to Sarah and Abraham that you will both bear a son together in your old age. That's the prophecy. And the miracle came through her womb. And the miracle came from Abraham, who was too old to have babies, and Sarah was too old to have babies. But God spoke it, and the miracle came to pass through the word. And the reason that Isaac was unique and one of a kind, it's not that he was the only son, he was the unique one. He was the son of the miracle. He was the son of the promise. He was the son of the prophecy. 
move to the New Testament. Do you realize that in the Greek text of the New Testament, the same phrase is used for Jesus, that, it, that he is the monogamous huios. He is the unique, one-of-a-kind son. This is powerful, man. Because, and I said, as I said before, he's no longer the only begotten son, but he is still the unique uh, son. Now, let me say something cool here. In other passages, the Greek text refers to Jesus as, Greek phrase again, the monogamous theos. Monogamous theos. You know what that means? The unique God. Come on, man. The unique God. Why does the Bible call Jesus monogamous theos, the unique God? You know why? It's because there had never been an instance of the almighty, eternal God living in a flesh body. That duality of nature, all God and all man at the same time, had never happened before. A sinless, perfect, powerful God inhabiting a flesh body. And the Bible calls him the monogamous theos, the unique God. Hallelujah. And the power of it is this, that because he was born of a virgin, he became the unique God, the unique son, the one of a kind son. Because number one, no one had ever been born without sin. Think about this. Even Adam was not born without sin. Adam was created without sin. Jesus was the first to ever be born without sin. Adam was not born of a woman. Adam was created by the hands of God. So think about it. Jesus was the first person to ever be born without sin. So powerful. It wasn't sin back then, Constance. It was actually a common practice. When a woman became too old to keep the family line going, they would often offer their handmaids to their husbands to bear their children for them. So it was not a sin back then uh, to do that. And so she was not in sin to offer her handmaid. But notice that's not what God prophesied and that's not, that is not what God wanted, which is why we still have the conflict we have today in the Middle East because Ishmael is still fighting Isaac in the Middle East today. Palestine, you know, it, that's, that's what's going on. It's exactly what's going on because of Abraham's doubt and unbelief in the word of God. That's what we have today. So the Bible refers to Jesus as monogamous huias, the unique one-of-a-kind son He was able to come in the form of flesh and to redeem man from sin. Why? He was born of a virgin, sinless. He was full to overflowing with God nature. (laughs) This is such an amazing thing to think about. That's why I really really recommend that you grab that book, The Incomparable Christ by J. Oswald Sanders, because it really breaks down the flesh nature of Christ, the supernatural nature of Christ. Think about how powerful it is that Jesus still needed to sleep. He still needed to eat. He still needed all the things that a human needs. Went through every human temptation. 
and never uh, fell, never, never missed it, never lost it. But at the same time as all that was happening, he's also fully God. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. I and the father are one, you know, goes through all of that, that theology about the fact that he is God in the flesh raises the dead, heals the sick, all of those things. He's the supernatural son of the living God. He is God. And all of that in one body, because God sent him into the earth to destroy the power of sin and death. I want you to hear this because, um, we were at church the other night and we were singing joy to the world. Some of, some of us, we sing these Christmas carols so much, we don't even recognize the fact of how powerful. These lyrics are extremely powerful. Extremely powerful. I want you to hear some of the lyrics because as Jesus came into the earth, think about this. I, one of these verses got me thinking and when I, I went off on a tangent in my mind thinking about the power of, of these lyrics. Um, Think about these. Of course, we all know the first verse, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Now stop right there and think about that. Joy to the world. So the, the fact he even came brought overwhelming joy to the entire earth. The Lord has finally come. This, this is speaking about prophecy. How long? Had this been prophesied in the Old Testament, Isaiah, all these, all these prophets in the Old Testament, Micah, prophesying the coming of the Messiah. Well, guess what? Joy is now filling the world. Why? The Lord has finally come. Let earth receive her king. Hallelujah. He's not just a baby in a manger. The king has come. The king has come. Let every heart prepare him, prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Listen to the second verse. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. You know what Jesus said? If you won't praise me, the rocks will cry out. The whole earth hears his voice. Creation hears his voice. He reigns. Huh. Now think about this. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. But there was one that really struck me and it's verse three. What I just told you was verse four, but listen to verse three. This is the coming of Christ. This is the power of Christmas. It's not just, you know, of course, we know all the things that we enjoy, all the wonderful things that we do at Christmas and all that. But think about the power of what God was doing with his secret weapon at Christmas. Verse three struck me the other night. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes. This is powerful. He comes to make his blessings flow. Where? Far as the curse is found. That right there will shake you up. He comes to make his blessings flow. 
far as the curse is found. What does the Bible say in Galatians chapter three? Christ has redeemed us from the curse pronounced by the law. For it is written, cursed is every man who is hung upon a tree. Christ came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. The curse surrounded the whole earth. The whole earth was under a curse from sin. But do you realize there was not one ounce of curse that could remain on God's people. There was not one small corner of the earth where the curse could remain on God's people. Why? Because the power of redemption spanned the whole earth. That doesn't mean everybody's saved. Everybody's definitely not saved. But to all that call upon his name, to as many as believed upon his name, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. So now, though Jesus is still the unique, one-of-a-kind son of God, he's no longer the only son of God. He never lost his status as monogamous huias, the unique, one-of-a-kind son of God. But he's no longer the only son of God. Because again, seed time and harvest. He is the eternal seed of the word. Bible teaches that. And notice what happened. That's why the Bible, this is so funny to me, because that's why the Bible says that if the, the princes of this world had known what they were doing, they would have never crucified our Lord. I want to take you there. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is important to know. And I'm going to pray for you in a moment. We're believing for miracles in this Christmas season. 1 Corinthians 2, look at this. This always makes me laugh. Hallelujah. Verse 6, 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although... It is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Now look at verse eight. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the rulers of Jesus' age had understood the secret wisdom of God that had been decreed before the ages for our, their, for our glory as Christians, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Well, you have to ask yourself a question. Why, why does the Bible say that? Why is Paul teaching the Corinthians that? That if the rulers of this age, the princes of this world, if they'd have known what was going on, they would have never crucified Jesus. Because what the devil failed to realize is that by that act of crucifixion, he was pounding the nails into his own coffin. He was signing his own death warrant. <laughs> and the devil apparently too dumb to see 
that if you've got the eternal seed, you, the last thing, if you want to get rid of a seed, the last thing you do is plant it in the ground. If you don't want something growing, don't plant it. <laughs> Put that in the comment section. If you don't want something to grow, don't plant it. That's seed time and harvest. If you don't want something to grow, don't plant it. Put that in the ground. Or not in the ground, in the comments. <laughs> Put that in the ground. You don't put it in the ground. And, and the, the dumbest thing. For the devil, the, the spirit of this world. Put Jesus in the ground. Now they didn't take his life. He freely gave it. But I want you to listen to this. First Peter one verse twenty three. I'll start with verse 22, 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly and from a pure heart since you've been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, who is the word of God made flesh Christ, who is the incorruptible, imperishable seed Christ. If you don't want something to grow, don't put it in the ground. And when Jesus went into the tomb, see, here's the thing that destroyed the power of sin and death. He comes out as the glorified son of God, ruling and reigning over death, sin and death, the keys of sin and death in his hands. But now, now it's different. Because he doesn't just come back from the dead. Go to, go to Ephesians 1. He doesn't just come back from the dead. No. See, that, that's, the, that's the thing that really blew this whole thing up around the world. He didn't just come back from the dead. We came back from the dead. Woo! Come on. Jesus didn't just come back from the dead. We came back from the dead. I wasn't born yet. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you were born yet or not. I'll show it to you in the book of Ephesians. And actually, let's go to verse two. The Bible's or chapter two and verse five and six. doesn't matter if you were born yet or not. Look at this. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you see that he, he didn't just come back from the dead. We came back from the dead. He wasn't just resurrected. We were resurrected. He was not just glorified. We were glorified. He was not just seated on a throne. We were seated on a throne. And this is the power of seed time and harvest. This is it. Because if you understand seed time and harvest, then it couldn't just be the seed coming back. The rest of the harvest has to come back too. And we are the harvest of God. So the whole plan, God's whole secret weapon at Christmas time 
of taking the eternal word that's existed from the beginning with no creation, no origin, he's the Alpha and the Omega, putting him into a flesh body, letting him enter into the earth, sinless life, overcame every temptation, gave himself. Think about the power of this. I don't have time to teach on it, but you got to get the power of this. The Bible tells us no man could take his life, but he willingly laid it down. Willingly laid it down. He said, if he, see, here's the problem. If he didn't lay it down, he would not have had the authority to take it back up again. But Jesus is the one who said, I have the authority to lay my life down and I have the authority to take it back up again. So the reason he was able to take it back up again was because of the fact he laid it down. Virgin birth brought us, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. There's the key. There's the key. And God came in the flesh, monogamous huios, the unique, one of a kind son, laid his life down, took it back up. And when he did, he didn't just, he was not just raised from the dead. He raised us all from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. He raised every single one of us from the dead by the power of his spirit, by the power of his spirit. And that's what we're operating in today. The power of his spirit, resurrection life, resurrection power lives on the inside of you and on the inside of me. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ up from the dead dwells in you and dwells in me. Romans 8, 11. And it quickens, makes alive our physical mortal bodies. So I'm encouraging you today. There is no weapon. I understand people go through attacks during the Christmas season. People go deal with stuff. I get that. But let me encourage you. There is no attack bigger than what's on the inside of you. There is no demonic resistance that is bigger than what's on the inside of you. You are an overcomer. You are anointed. And I know there's people that are on today that have already asked and that need prayer. I get that. We're going to pray. We've joined our faith together as the victory tribe. We're coming together in agreement and believing for miracles at the end of this year. What have we been confessing? Wonders before the year comes to an end and people are already, I'm getting message after message. I'll re, I have to read some of them to you this week. People get sent messages. You'll never believe what happened. Of course I believe what happened. We're expecting it to happen. We're expecting it to happen. And so God's moving wonders are taking place for people before this year is even coming to an end. It's exciting, but I know I'm going to pray for those of you that are watching right now. There's people needing miracles. We're believing that Gina said, my season of double has already started. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask you to touch every man and woman today that's in need of a miracle. Lord, we take authority especially during this season when people are battling attacks from the enemy. We take authority over every foul attack against their mind. I rebuke depression. I rebuke anxiety. I rebuke suicidal thoughts. Loose your grip on God's people and let them go. And today I lose joy, peace, comfort to God's people by the Holy Spirit. I command sickness to go. 
those that are battling, those that are in the hospital, the messages that have come in. Lord, touch your people supernaturally. Heal their bodies. Take all the glory. Work a miracle on their behalf. Thank you, Lord, for it. I thank you that sickness is leaving. Disease is leaving. Pain is going out today. Be made whole in the wonderful name that's above every other name. In Jesus' name. We take authority over addictions right now. We're with you, Rena. Addictions have to go. I come in every invisible prison for the doors to open. Loose God's people and let them go. Whether that be alcohol, drugs, nicotine, whether that be uh, pornography, whatever it might be, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. Commanded to let them go. Be free by the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise for what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing in your people. In Jesus' wonderful name, we give you glory and we give you honor. If you believe that, somebody shout amen, throw some hands, throw some fire in the comments section if you're believing it with me and give God praise ahead of time. Begin to magnify him ahead of time. Amen, Crystal. Praise God. Amen, Dylan. Praise God. Oh yeah, I want to hear it. I want to hear it, Leslie. It's already taking place. She said, I wrote out a wonder. I'll be messaging. Wonders are taking place. Good. That's what we're believing for. Love you, Ben Fole. Love you, Ruth and Mike. Crystal, love you guys. It's amazing. Once again, the brand new book has arrived. 21 day fast field guide. This is the devotional for the upcoming fast. You can use it on any 21 day fast, obviously, but we're going to be fasting for 21 days in the new year. This is out just in time. I cannot believe it's out so quickly, but God gave me this idea. And, uh, within 20 days, we completed this out the door to the printer and it's now available. You can get it. You can get yours and it's going to guide us through 21 days of fasting and prayer with a Bible reading plan, devotional prayer points, everything we need, how to start a fast, how to end a fast. It's all in the book. And also, if you'd like to get the companion, the uh, complete guide to biblical fasting, uh, you can get that in our store uh, on pre-order. We'll send it as a bundle. You'll save some money there. But if you'd like to have this before the new year begins, amazon.com in your territory, wherever you're living, you'll be able to get it. It'll be available on ebook in just a couple of days. It's very, the, the files are coming back. We're going to get it up for the Kindle and for Apple Books, and you'll be able to get it on your phone and tablet and laptop as well. So don't forget that. This, this is going to be starting on January the 2nd, and we're going all the way through the 22nd. January the 2nd through the 22nd. Lenann, I got your uh, message as well. Really amazing. She said, last week I got a promotion and a raise and a Christmas bonus. They've never done bonuses for Christmas before ever. And God is faithful. So wonders are already taking place for people. And uh, I'm just telling you, 2022 is going to be the best year we've ever seen. Divine possession is ours. Let me give you an opportunity to sow a seed. This is what you've got to get in the ground. The seed always produces a harvest. And there's many of us, we're believing for the greatest financial year we've ever seen in 2022. How does it come? You've got to get seed in the ground. I'm encouraging you to do something by faith. And uh, there on the screen, you see all the ways to give. You know, Carolyn and I love you guys so much and appreciate everything you're doing as you stand with this ministry. We're going to touch the world and continue to touch the world with the power of Jesus Christ. And for the month of December, we're sending you Pastor Mark Hankins' book entitled Faith Opens the Door to the Supernatural. And um, 
This is our December offer. For those of you that would like to receive this after you've sown your seed, $85 or more, please fill out the form on miracleword.com forward slash offer. We don't know you want it until you fill out the form. So don't give and say, I never got my book. You got to fill out the form so we know where to send it. And of course, all the digital um, ways are available. Cash app, Zelle, Venmo, uh, PayPal, hashtag donate, cryptocurrency, any way you'd like to do it. I love you so very much. I'll be back tomorrow. More Christmas giveaways. Uh, It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great week. I cannot wait to see what God does at the end of this year. We're getting ready to sow the lar- one of the largest seeds we've ever put in the ground, and we're putting ourselves in position for the best year we've ever had in Jesus' name. And so I can't wait, man. I'm getting pumped up already. I'm ready for this fast. I'm ready to move forward into what God has planned for us and our families. I know you are too. But I love you so much. Have a powerful day. Hope you get all your Christmas shopping done so you don't have to mess with any knuckleheads at the mall because it's jam-packed, my friends. Um, Liz is asking a question, did last month's offer go out already? That would be a question, I believe, for Jenna, uh, Liz. So if you could send her an email, she'll let you know. She will let you know. Uh, Ed said, if we ordered it from Miracle Word, will we get it before the end of the year? We're going to do our very best. uh, Because we ordered a large bulk order, Ed, um, they keep changing the dates on us with Amazon. So originally it was like January the 8th. Then they moved it back to like January the 5th or the 3rd, and it just keeps on moving back. So hopefully we will be able to have them in hand uh, ahead of time. But I'll tell you what I'll do uh, for those that um, send me a message via text. If you do, uh, and you've already purchased it, you just show me the purchase you've made, we can always send you the PDF before the year starts if you don't get yours. It's still saying January the 3rd. So if you did it through the website, it's gonna take a little bit longer. That's why I was encouraging people to use Amazon. Um, Ed, if you even wanna uh, you know, let Jenna know that you're gonna cancel it and get it on Amazon so you have it before the beginning of the year, that's fine. Uh, we just want it to be in your hands before we start the fast. And uh, it's gonna be a huge help, especially for people that have never been on an extended fast before. Thank you guys for hanging with me. I love you. I'll see you again in the morning, 10.30 a.m. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.